Let's pray. Father, we come before you again acknowledging that you are the God of all our days. And God, you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit may speak to us this morning as we look unto your word. That God, you may accomplish what you intend to. That Father, you may refresh us, that you may renew our hope, and that you may strengthen us in our spirits, Lord. And in your own way, you may use us to minister to others in Jesus' name. May everyone say, Amen. You, you may be seated. Uh, if you look at your bulletin, you will see a very strange chapter there. Your bulletin says chapter 112. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be chapter 12. But I don't know how that one got there. But if you look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are just looking at these three verses here, It's not a new passage. It's a passage that you all know about. You, I think every Christian knows about Paul and the thorn in his flesh. In verse 7, Paul says, he gives us the reason he was given this thorn in the flesh. He says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, the revelations that he tells us about, he had experienced a lot that God allowed him to see. Things that uh, other apostles didn't have an opportunity to, to see. There were Things of the Spirit that were revealed to the Apostle Paul. And because of these revelations, it seemed as if he would lift himself up. That he would feel that he is more important than others. And so because of that, we are told in verse 8... No, in, in verse 7, therefore, he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So, God allows Paul to experience these revelations and then he also allows a messenger of Satan to torment him, 
to keep him in line, to humiliate him, so that he may not lift himself up. The Lord in his wisdom decides that a thorn in the flesh of Apostle Paul is necessary to keep him humble. And Paul, because he is a human like you and me, and because, you know, when, when the, 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 this image of a thorn, it is, it is a picture of something sharp and painful that sticks deeper into your skin and you cannot take it out on your own. It's tormenting him. It's becoming a distraction to his ministry. And therefore, Paul, because he is human, he does what each one of us will do in a situation like that. He turns to the Lord and he asks him in prayer to remove the thorn, to take it away, to take away the pain. That is his prayer. And he says, in verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And God, instead of taking away the thorn, the pain, the suffering, instead of responding to Paul according to Paul's prayer, he tells him, in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. This is not what Paul was praying for. Paul never prayed for grace. His prayer was clear. His prayer was short, remove the thorn from my flesh. Take it out. Take it away. So when God responds to him, telling him that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness, Paul could have gotten angry at God. He could have given up on God, or even committed suicide. He could have turned away from God. Isn't, isn't that how we respond sometimes when we, go, we, we turn to God in prayer, believing, and then he doesn't respond the way we want, and we are tempted to turn away? from him. We are tempted to give up. We are tempted to be angry at God. There are so many people that are angry at God because God either took away from them or he didn't give them what they were asking for. 
And maybe, maybe there's a time you have prayed and prayed and prayed and God didn't give you what you are asking him for. And you are tempted to turn away thinking he doesn't care. Asking, when will this pain stop? When will this thorn be removed from my flesh? When will it come to an end? And maybe you asked, what kind of grace is this? What kind of grace allows people to suffer? Just so that they can experience the power of God. What kind of grace allows people to die? What kind of grace is this? And when we are, we are facing illnesses and pain and death as a church, as we are, right now, and in our families, all we can do is pray, is to turn to God for help. Because prayer works. Prayer works. We may not get the exact answers that we are looking for, God may not give us the item that we are asking him to give us. He may not respond in a way that we want him to respond, but we know that he hears our prayers and he responds. Prayer works. It works on us and it works on others. I believe that I am here today because of people who are praying for me, that have been praying for me. You are here this morning because there is someone that has been lifting you to the Lord. You may not even have said thank you to that person because you don't know some of the people that are praying for you. But you are here this morning because there is someone that has been calling on your name before the Lord. Prayer works. It may not work in a way, but it works. And here... We see it working in Paul's life. Look at uh, verse, uh, verse 9 again. Verse 9, part B. After God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness... Something happens in Paul. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The thorn is still there. 
The pain still remains, but something inside has changed. This is the same person who was pleading with God for the thorn to be removed. But now that God has responded in his own way, something inside Paul changes. And he says, therefore, because now I know that your grace is sufficient, I am going to boast on my weakness. This doesn't mean that we enjoy suffering. It means that we can still have joy in suffering. Something changes in Paul. Prayer works. And I think the enemy of our faith, one of the things he would like to do in our lives is to stop us from praying. To stop us from paying attention to the Lord and allowing our minds and our thoughts to focus on him. Because a prayerful person is conscious about God. Look at verse 10. Paul says, That is why, for Christ's sake, For the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He has found the secret. For the sake of Christ, he is now not living for himself. He is no longer focusing on himself now that he realizes that it is the grace of God at work in me. The focus has shifted. He began by himself. He is ending with Christ. For the sake of Christ, I will endure the pain. For the sake of Christ, I will still find joy in the midst of all the conflicts that I'm facing. For the sake of Christ, I will still rejoice even when I am dying. The focus has shifted. It's no longer about Paul. It's about Jesus. Paul has realized that the thorn is essential for his life and for his ministry. He now realizes that I need this thorn. I don't like it. But now that I know Thank you, God, 
because now I can fully rely on you. This here is a testimony of someone who has been in the valley of deep sorrow but has also been on the mountaintop of God's grace. This is a message that comes from someone that has experienced pain but also knows the power that comes with the grace of God. Someone that has been lonely but has also realized that the Lord has always been with him. It's always encouraging when you hear a testimony of someone who is walking with the Lord because it reminds you that you can also walk with the Lord. Amen. The message here is clear. Our suffering swings on the hinges of God's grace. Our suffering swings on the hinges of God's grace. Let me explain that. When you are going through a difficult moment, when you are going through pain, when you are suffering, when you begin to forget the names of the most important people in your life, the names of the most important events of your lives and your loved ones' lives, when you begin to realize that your health is fading away, that you are no longer the person you used to be, It is very, very easy for you to think that your situation is controlling you. It is easier for you to think that your experience is in control, that your pain is in control, that your suffering is in control. It is easy for you to want to give up, to begin to think that life has no meaning because you are focusing on what you're going through and something tells you that now this pain is controlling your life. This suffering is controlling your life. But then when you realize that our suffering swings on the hinges of God's grace, then you will know that this suffering is never in control. God is in control. He is the one that is moving things. He is the one that allowed the thorn and is the one that allowed the grace to deal with the thorn. It is God who is in control. The suffering is just playing there. But the one who is moving things is the Lord. It is swinging on the hinges of God's grace. And when you realize that our suffering 
strings on the hinges of God's grace, then every pain, every thorn in your life will remind you of the grace of God at work in you. The grace of God that is at work in you. Every pain will be a reminder. And you know, the good thing here is that we are not told what the thorn is. And I think that is intentional. So that you and I can identify with our own thorns. So that you and I can get something from Paul's experience that will encourage us, that will empower us to move on. Something that will renew our hope and our strength and our faith in the Lord. Our suffering swings on the hinges of God's grace. That pain is not in control. God is in control. When we realize this, we will realize that our, our difficulties, our difficulties are a vehicle that manifests God's power. See, Paul realizes here that in his weakness, he is strong. Because in his weakness, the only power that will be at work is the power of Christ. The only power that will be seen is the power of God. He realizes that now he can be sustained by the grace of God. I love this testimony. It gives me hope. It makes me look at life differently. It reminds me of a God that I can rely on. Let me give you four points here. Some lessons we learn from this thorny experience. You are going to appreciate the thorns in your life because, number one, thorns make us attentive to God's voice. When you are going through a difficult experience as a Christian, you want to know what God is saying. You want to hear him. You want to hear his voice. Thorns makes us attentive to God's voice. Number two, God's voice prepares us to yield to God's will. When we hear what he's saying, now we know what he intends to do. His voice prepares us to submit to him, to his will, to yield to his will. Paul gets to a point of saying, for the sake of Christ, he is now yielding to God's will. Number three, 
God's will positions us to rely on God's grace. Thorns makes us attentive to God's voice. God's voice prepares us to yield to God's will. And God's will positions us to rely on God's grace. Where his will takes you, his grace will sustain you. And number four, God's grace motivates us to proclaim God's power. God's grace motivates us to proclaim God's power. Paul finishes by saying, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When we find ourselves in these difficulties and pain and even death, and we know that we need help from God, we will pray, we will listen, and we will accept what God is saying. We will submit to his will when we know that our suffering swings on the hinges of his grace. See, Jesus prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane that if it were possible, the cup should be removed from him. But again he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. He submitted. In Philippians chapter 2, we are reminded that he was humble unto death, even the death of the cross. This happens when we realize that the events of our lives are not in control. God is in control. He remains in control. And you see, the power, this, this power in weakness is actually a shadow of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. For us to be saved, Christ had to be crucified. Weakness. When the enemy felt like he was winning, Jesus had to undergo humiliation, to die on the cross. He had to express the weakness that comes with our sins and our disobedience and everything that is in us. But again, on the third day, he rose. Power. He had to go through the weakness so that he could come through the power of Christ. 
And that's the power that gives us hope. The power of resurrection is the power that we look forward to so that we may experience it also. Every believer knows that death is coming, but every believer also knows that there is a resurrection. And every believer is looking forward for the resurrection. We may not be looking forward into dying, but we are looking forward into the resurrection. We know that there is a life that God has prepared for us. And you know, if you, if you don't believe in Jesus, this is something that you are missing. I hear people saying, Uh, you only live once. Is that what they say? You live once, you die. You die twice? Oh, you guys are not, you don't know. You, you, you don't know what I'm... You only live once. And that saying is used to make people do all they can do because you only live once. In other words, it's used to encourage people to enjoy life. Do everything that you can do while you are still alive because you only live once. It's a saying that has no hope. It has no hope for another life. But you, you have hope. You are not just living once. You are living, you are dying, and then you will live forever. Someone who does not know Jesus Christ doesn't have that. The only hope for a person who doesn't believe in Jesus is this life. They have no hope of the next life. And if you are here and Jesus is not your savior, it is important for you to know that Jesus does not only enable you to live this life in a way that glorifies him, in a way that glorifies God, he also prepares you for the life that he has for you. And Jesus is willing to accept you as you are, to forgive you, and to bring you to his family. And you will become a new creation with a new life. The old will be gone. Everything will be new. You will be a child of God. If you don't believe in Jesus, you should consider that. Because this life will come to an end. And the end will take you somewhere else 
far away from God. The reason we have this hope is because Christ has prepared for us a place. I may not know what the thorn on your flesh is. It could be an experience you've had that brought you great pain. It could be something that keeps on coming to your mind that reminds you of an experience that you had and every time it comes, it takes away your joy. It could be an illness, an infection. A constant pain. It could be the pain of a loved one. Just hurts you when you see them suffer. I may not know what your, your thorn is. But this is what I know. I know that there is no sorrow that God cannot heal. There is no pain that God cannot heal, and if he doesn't heal it, he provides a way for us to deal with it. He enables us to endure it for the sake of Christ. We endure it for his sake, we endure it with him. Like I said earlier, it's tough and painful when I, I can't tell my closest friend what is happening in my life, how I feel. It's tough and painful when I can't remember the names of the people closest to me or when my dreams are shattered and my, my health is fading away. It's painful and sad and disappointing. When my relationships are breaking down and the only new thing is just another conflict. It's painful. It is sad. It is disappointing. But when we allow God, the God who allows those thorns in our lives, when we allow him to walk with us, those thorns, those pains, those conflicts will become a tool that points us to his grace. Our experiences, even though we may groan and cry and shed tears and grieve, Our experiences will remind us that his grace is sufficient and that our suffering swings on the hinges of his grace. Brothers and sisters, God is faithful. Do not give up praying. Prayer works. It may not work in your way, but it will still work for your way, in Jesus' name. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for your people. Lord, it is my prayer that you will, in your own way, minister to us, bringing us closer to you, helping, helping us see you in a new way through our experiences. And after you have tried us, God, we will come forth as gold. In Jesus' name, may everyone say,